Listen for the gospel of the Lord. This morning, reading from John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, if you grew up in the church, then you know all about Easter. You know the facts of the story. You know the twists and turns. You come to celebrate on Easter Sunday morning. But I'm afraid sometimes those of us who have grown up in the church have celebrated Easter so many times that we began to take it rather casually. We've read this story over and over. It is so familiar that we miss the mystery and power revealed to us through this story of the empty tomb. But that's not the way it was for these first disciples of whom we have just read. They have a very different experience on this Easter Sunday morning. They have entered Jerusalem with Jesus on Palm Sunday with great triumph. But this week has turned dark. All of a sudden, Jesus is talking about betrayal and arrest. He is betrayed. He's deserted. He's arrested. He's tortured. By the time they get to Easter, they are sad. They're full of sorrow. 
Jesus has been crucified. The king they hailed has just been hung on a cross and left to die. The Gospel of John tells us this story of Mary Magdalene, one of the key followers of Jesus, heading for the tomb while it's still dark. Now, maybe she's just so sorrowful she couldn't sleep, so she's up early on her way. Or maybe she's using the cover of darkness because the one she's followed just been arrested and killed by an occupying Roman army. Maybe they're still looking for followers of Jesus Maybe she's still in danger. John doesn't tell us in his gospel account why she set out so early, but he does point out that she's headed out while it's still dark. Listen to that first verse again. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. Now she's not coming the same way that we come to church on Easter. She's heading for a tomb within which she believes is a dead body. Jesus has been crucified. He has died. He's been put in a tomb. There is no indication that she expected to find an empty tomb. She did not expect it. Peter does not expect it. The other disciple that's talked about here no indication that any of them expect anything except a corpse when they get to the tomb. In fact, in John's gospel from which we have read, he makes it clear in verse 9 when he writes it this way, For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. They do not understand what God is doing just yet. Now, that's not our problem. We come ready to celebrate. We light candles. We sing hallelujah. We have the lilies. We dress in our finest. We are here to celebrate with one another. But we know the ending of the story. We know all the twists and turns. We know how it's going to end up. And we do want to proclaim that good news of the risen Christ. Yet I am afraid that we live like there is still a dead body so often we live as if he wasn't raised from the dead as as if God's love failed on this weekend that we've just been through the first disciples are in such a different place when they head for the empty tomb they are in the throes of grief they have experienced unbelievable situations in terms of their own response as well as what happened to Jesus they're still deep in their grief but once they realize the tomb is empty everything changes this fearful group of disciples hiding in the tomb moving around under the cover of darkness become bold fearless witnesses to God's love raising Christ from the dead their lives are clearly changed. I want us to get a glimpse of that change. I want us to get a taste of that love of God alive in the world. I want to make sure before we leave here this morning that we get a fresh taste of the power of God's love to change everything.
so often we live day to day until we're just worn down and worn out. It can happen in so many ways. We can lose a job or have conflict at our job, so it makes it terrible to have to go. Oh, we can get in a conflict with someone that's in our social sphere, could be a relative, could be a friend, and the conflict begins to tear at the fabric of our lives. We could have a health crisis or someone that we love can be having a health crisis and it just wears us down. It saps our strength. It steals our joy. So many people struggle with depression and despair that they're just sucked into the darkness, sort of like these early disciples, perhaps living in a world that makes everything right now seem dark. By everything I've read, the research says the pandemic has just made all of those things worse for most people. Or maybe you're stuck in a relationship that's going nowhere. Maybe even a marriage, if you feel like the love is dead and gone and cannot be raised up again. Or maybe you're carrying a burden of guilt because you know something in your life is not right and you've not been able to find a way to make it right or you're not ready to take those steps yet. There are so many ways that life can beat us down. We have all experienced it. Perhaps it's not too different from the mother who was trying to get her son out of bed one Sunday morning. She went in and woke him up, said it's time to get up and get ready. She left for a little while. He went back to sleep. She comes back into the room. There he is, sacked out. She stirs him again and says, it's time. I said, it's time to get up. He said, but I don't want to get up. Why do I have to get up? She said, well, it's Easter Sunday morning. You got to go to church. And he whines, I don't want to go to church. But she says, you have to. It's Easter Sunday. He said, I don't want to go. And she says, you've got to go. You're the preacher. I'm just saying, I'm just telling you, it can happen to any of us. Life can get heavy. Life can push us down and drag us down. We can feel like there's no hope. We can lose sight of the joy in life that is promised to us through Christ. We can forget that God loves us and that God is with us. We can forget this story of God's love raising Christ from the dead. We can misunderstand or lose sight of how that applies to us and forget that God is here for us, that God is alive and working for our good. Let's not forget the good news contained in this passage. Here these first disciples are. They're in the depth of darkness. They have lost all their hopes and dreams when Christ has been arrested and then tortured and then made to carry this cross across town to humiliate him in front of everyone and then hanging on a cross to die. And then Mary on the third day going to the tomb she's going to take care of a dead body she's going to begin the preparations for a proper jewish burial 
And yet when she gets there, the stone has been rolled away. She realizes the body's gone. She doesn't know what has happened. She goes and gets the other disciples, Peter and this other disciple, to run with her. And then after they investigate, they see the tomb is empty, but they leave. But she stays, it tells us, weeping outside the tomb. She sees these heavenly messengers. And then she sees a person that she thinks is the gardener. She says to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, in your text, it's with an exclamation, part, exclamation point. It's as if he all but yells her name, Mary, or at least says it with great intensity, Mary. And when she hears Jesus as the risen Christ saying her name, she recognizes him. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Jesus gives her instructions to go and tell the other disciples what is happening. So she does. It tells us in verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. It's the Easter proclamation. It's the good news of the gospel. Christ has been raised. Christ is alive. We sing alleluia or hallelujah. Praise be to God. God's love was not defeated even by the grave. God's love is stronger than even death. God's love is alive in the world and has raised Christ from the dead, the Gospels tell us. It's a great day to celebrate. There's not a dead body in the tomb. They do not find the dead body, for He is risen. Christ is risen today. Let's not live like there's still a dead body in the tomb. Let's not live like we are left alone Let's not live as if God's love is not engulfing us, surrounding us, embracing us, lifting us up. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah, we sing. Hallelujah. Let's live like we know what that means. Let's live like we believe that is true. Let's embrace this God of love who is here for us, raising us up on this Easter Sunday, but not only today is with us throughout the year. Let's remember throughout the year, even when life is trying to push us down, that Christ is risen, that God's love is alive, that God's love is available to us, and this has all been revealed through Jesus Christ our Lord. I've put some lyrics in, those, in the outline for those of you who are following along. Let's live like we sing. We sing this song. He lives. He lives. 
Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along the narrow way. But on the second verse, these words, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living whatever foes may say. Why? Because I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives. Let's celebrate Christ alive. Do you recognize the name Marcia Gay Harden? She is an actress. She's been in over 30 films. She's won an Oscar and a Tony. She's filled all kinds of different roles. But she writes about that her most important role happened before she even had her SAG card, her Screen Actors Guild card. She was trying to break into show business. She wanted to be an actress. She was young. She's still working as a waitress, she says. When somebody came in and said the words that every struggling actor or actress wants to hear, do you want a part? We've got a part for you. She was thrilled she says what's the part and the woman said snow white and she says where's the production and the woman said well it may not be quite what you were thinking it's at georgetown university hospital i'm with the make a wish foundation and young bonnie is seven years old but she's almost at the end of the road for her she has pediatric cancer. Her one wish before she dies is to meet Snow White. It's her favorite character. Marsha Gay Harden said right on the spot she accepted. She said, oh, I can do that. Marsha writes that she felt when she was playing a role she connected with that God was using her for something good. But then they called her a couple days later and told her what day she needed to be at the hospital. She immediately recognized a conflict. She had been called just before that with an opportunity to audition with a big-name director. Her big break had come, and now they're on the same day. She said she didn't sleep a wink that night. She was struggling between, I've said yes to Snow White, but this is my big break. This is my chance for success. This is the opportunity I've been hoping for. She tried to change the audition. They said it's that day or none. So she canceled. She felt like she needed to be Snow White. So she said she prepared for the role. She got the costume. She got all ready. She jumped in the car on the appointed day and headed out. She says the only problem was I was crying uncontrollably the whole way. I'm trying to drive through tears because I know I'm missing the big audition, everything I've worked for, because I'm going to a hospital. But she said in the parking lot, she calmed down, got herself together, fixed her makeup, and went to the room. She said when she came around the corner and looked in the room, she was stunned. She knew she was coming to visit a seven-year-old girl, but the body in the bed was so tiny. She looked like maybe not even five. She said she was so struck, she sort of just stood there silently, kind of dumbly. But then she said Bonnie saw her and yelled, Snow White, and lit up like fireworks. 
and they engaged in conversation and she said witty things like I'm sorry that grumpy and sneezy and doc couldn't come and the girl laughed and they had a great conversation she's by now sitting on the side of the bed and then the little girl takes her hand and says when I die will the prince come and kiss me and then I'll wake up again and Marcia said she did not expect a life after death question. She said she closed her eyes, not knowing what to say. Took a deep breath and opened her eyes, and this is what came to her. Oh, Bonnie, it's even better. When you get to heaven, God will kiss you, and then you will wake up again. Amen. And thanks be to God.